Hello and welcome to Still Buffering, a cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. Uh, well, we're all separate again. Back to three squares on the Skype. Not I mean, that I'm, anyone can I'm, see that, but no. Nope. I'm always I'm always alone, so that's not it's not the new for me. I, I know that you all were together for the whole summer, so that was nice for you. Well, well, normally, at least, I can't really see Taylor, and I don't think Taylor can really see me, because I'm just kind of peeking in from the side of Sydney's Skype, <laughs> so true. at least now I can see everybody. I, I usually see Sydney's face and Riley's beverage, <laughs> so I can see your iced coffee, but not you. My iced coffee. Y- you, know, you know that it's Riley's beverage, because it's usually got, like, a very attractive drinking vessel. E- very aesthetically pleasing drinking vessel. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And a straw that is either made of like glass or metal or something. Yeah, yeah. Can I, speaking of aesthetically pleasing drinking vessels, can I tell you how sad I am? I packed up and left a week ago and I only had about a day to pack everything up really uh, between us getting back from our family vacation and then moving. Um, I thought I got everything and I went to make my coffee and I had just bought myself a little glass that was, well, we'll talk about Renee Rapp next week we'll talk about that later but she has a song called 23 and she made a mug that's a glass cup that says 23 blonde and hot and i ordered one for myself because i was like this is perfect for my birthday i'll have this to drink from i'll take a very aesthetically pleasing Mm -hmm. picture with my iced coffee on my 23rd birthday i'll be in class for 12 hours but that's okay because i'll be able to take a picture with this cute little mug and i left it at home I had all these plans. I had all these plans. I had all these plans for that glass, and and it won't be here for my birthday. All these plans. I had plans. A plan. When you had had a plan. When you say all these plans, you mean I'm going to drink out of it on my birthday and take a picture. Listen, I have (laughs) twelve hours of law school classes on my birthday. All I wanted was a little bit of joy. (laughs) That's it. I mean, you still got some time to work with. Can you get it? Mom and Dad will ship that's it to true. you. If they ship it to me, but what if it breaks? That, that's it's glass. They, that Do people you, ship glasses all the time. That's true. Do you have other glasses? Not yeah, but not one that says that. Can you not write those that. words? <laughs> Do you on have a, a different sh- glass. Do you have Sharpies? You just I do Sharpie have it. regular glass cups. Maybe I should just write that on one. Yeah. Or maybe on a t-shirt. Yeah, wear that to school. Yeah, I think that would would go over well. I could have sent you with one of my. um, I have a bunch of cups. We had to get together here. Oh man, it's been weeks ago, but I realized like there were people coming over, and I usually don't have like I try to stay away from a ton of like disposable plates and disposable cups. But sometimes if a bunch of people are coming over, I think like I'll buy a stack of cups because like I don't want to clean everybody's glasses after this event. And I hadn't done it. I hadn't gotten any cups. And so I dug through my cabinets and I have a giant stack of reusable, these are not disposable, reusable plastic cups for a guy who ran locally for county commissioner (laughs) and lost. So at this party, everyone who attended this party was carrying around a plastic campaign cup for a guy who ran for county commissioner. So what I'm saying is I have a ton of those. Would you like me to ship you some? No. He lost, but he's a nice guy. Uh, well, I, I think said if you're going to go the, the trouble of shipping something from West Virginia to Riley, maybe just the cup. Just the, the actual the, cup. The one, like yeah, that. do that. Just well, this one's plastic, one. so like... Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's... I don't even need to... 
I don't have I to think, put like foam or newspaper or packing peanuts. It can just kind of rattle around in the box the whole time and it'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, I think Riley. Way that it says nothing I want on it. I, I, I don't think the problem here is that Riley does not have any cups or wow. cannot achieve a cup by the time of her birthday. I think it's that she wants a specific cup. But, but you know, cup. good good try. <laughs> good. Well, I good didn't have quite, you didn't quite nail the problem area. You got in the general vicinity. <laughs> I do have a lot of these cups if anyone needs cups. Oh, they're great for parties. And you got to have a party. Because I told everyone at the end, like, and special gift, you can take home your cup. You should have used them at Charlie's birthday party and let all those little eight and nine-year-olds walk around with those cups. No, the the great part about it is I did try to give them away at that party. I was like, please take these with you because I got stuck with this giant stack of them and I don't want them all and no one would take them. They all refused to take them. So I did indeed end up cleaning them all. And like the whole time I'm thinking I don't really want them, but it feels wasteful to throw them away. So they're back in my cabinet. Well, you never know when you need a a party cup. So there you go. Yeah. You you're set up. Set up with a party cup. Instead instead of red solo cups, we have Jim Morgan for county commissioner cups here. <laughs> I bet you some college student would love a free set of disposable plastic cups. Well they're not I mean they're not disposable. Well, I mean, but they're disposable in the sense that you can get them disgusting like a college student does. Yeah. And it's okay. Yeah, just go down to like the frat row around yeah. Marshall and just just hold them up and turn your head and they'll be gone. They'll reuse them. They will. They'll, you won't want to know how many times they're reusing them and how many people are drinking out of them. But they'll without reuse washing them, them. without that, washing them. And is that fun and quirky for young people? Like you don't know who this candidate is or what they ran for, but isn't this kind of funny? We all have his campaign cups. Like, is that a fun quirky thing? I can't say I've ever been in that situation before, but no. I, I, it could go either way. Kind of like wearing old campaign buttons. Uh-huh. Is that a thing? Except different, because that's a button. This is a vessel. <laughs> this has a purpose. If you're wearing a button, yeah. there's a there's I, a reason. I think the problem here, Sid, is that the, the people that get to decide if it's cool or not, it, it's not you. Oh, so well, you can't. Yeah, like that's not actually none of us here. Because sorry, Riley, you you aged out of true. that. You aged I out did. of being college cool. Yeah, because I know I understand the zeitgeist of what you're going for. It's like mm-hmm. when we used to go to like the Salvation Army and get like you know like T-shirts that didn't make sense. We didn't know like to camp counselors to camps we don't know about. It would be funny to wear them. Right, right. But that that's all part of the moment. You can't design those things, and old people definitely can't it, offer it. Is that still, but is that still like a thing? Like the idea of like going and getting things that were like quirky because you have no idea what they reference and. Is ironically wearing clothing still a thing? Is that what you're asking? Because <laughs> I think people will always be wearing certain things. Yeah, but you the know irony what? irony of it all. I think uh, the disturbing part is, is that the irony that used to be in style via like thrifting stuff is now what m- is mass produced from like fast fashion. True. So yes, mm-hmm. but also no. Because we've removed it from, like, you don't go to the source and get it. You get it from, like, a mass-produced. Like, it's a shirt that doesn't make sense from Shein. And you buy it for $2. Yeah. Yeah, I was scrolling through American Eagle because they put out their Halloween stuff. And they have really cute, like, big oversized Halloween shirts. 
with various um, Halloween properties on them. Um, and they had one that was like an intentionally like faded, oversized, like fringed edge, like peanuts Halloween shirt. But it was like very intentionally styled to look like something that you would have found at, you know, like a thrift store, like something old and worn. Um, but that's just how you buy it. Yeah, I, you know, I had this moment where I found, I saw advertised to me, this has been a while ago. Okay, when I was young, Char, uh, you may remember this, Tay. When I was young, I had a Garfield night shirt. It wasn't a nightgown, it was like one of those real big night shirts. Yeah. And it was Garfield, and it was for an Aries. And I don't remember exactly what Garfield was doing, but it was like a Zodiac Garfield night shirt. Yeah. Do you remember that I owned that? Yes, I think I remember that. Okay. I don't have that anymore, of course. But I often wish I did. <laughs> because, you know, like, a Garfield Aries night that, shirt. <laughs> I can see, like, Urban Outfitters doing, like, a Zodiac collection. And having, right? like, a Garfield, like, distressed or, like, 90s character or something So I old. think for every sign I could see that so yeah, I would wear it if I could find it like if I had it yeah. at this moment I would wear it out in public because I think that's hilarious I saw advertised to me the old Garfield Zodiac shirts except they weren't old it was somebody like remaking them and I had this like I guess it's like a ship of Theseus kind of question. Like, it's not the original shirt, but it, I did own the original shirt. And so if I got oh. it and wore it, you know what I'm saying? Like, I know it's not the original shirt, but it's in essence, it is the it is the embodiment of the shirt that I is did indeed it? own. Is this the one you had? No, I don't think. Well, no, they're, wait, they're wait, selling wait, that no, at that Hot Topic it, except, right now. Except it was a different color. The one that okay. I had. Mine was pink. Okay. They're, well, they're selling them at Hot Topic. <laughs> See, that's the same image, that graphic on it, except it was like huge, like oversized. And then the, because the shirt was oversized and the image was like the whole front of the shirt. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it has a catchphrase on it. Yeah. I wonder what the one for all the other signs is. What is the, wait, what is the Aries catchphrase? An Aries never holds a grudge. They get even right away. And it's Garfield holding a mallet behind his back. Yeah, I had that shirt, except Checks like out. it was, like I said, it was not just a little graphic in the middle of like the chest of the shirt. It was the entire front of the shirt yeah. was Garfield like that. Do they have them all? What's what's the Virgo? What's the Capricorn? Capricorn, let's see. Capricorns are ambitious, but not till noon. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> that, that's kind of accurate. Gar- Garfield gets me. Good, good. Let's see, mm-hmm. what has he got to say about Virgo? God, they have all of them. Industrious and meticulous, Virgos always do a good job and look good doing it. And look at Ooh. that snazzy cat smiling in a mirror at himself <laughs> on the front of it. I would need that immediately. <laughs> great. Sid, I think it's fine if you get one. I think it's fine if you get it. But you, you just, you know, you anybody that says, oh, that's cool. That's a cool shirt. You've got to then intricately explain to them that you had the shirt and then you didn't have the shirt. And that the, the, the whole Theseus thing, you got to just go through the whole thing and then you'll be cool. That's yeah. that's essential. You tell the whole story every time. This is, and this then is if my I family the Christmas story, present. I'm not cool though. Is the problem right? No, like, no. Then you're really cool. That's extra I, cool. I know yeah. you're messing with me now. And see, I know that's not true. Yeah. <laughs> I really, man. I wish I had that shirt. 
Well, um, you, could, you could get it again. Don't. This is what I'm getting everyone for Christmas. <laughs> Just <laughs> I'm getting that. everyone their their designated. Great. I gotta see what they they're, all say now. Their Garfield zodiac sign. Like only- Charlie, can you see Charlie wearing a shirt that said? Leos are brave and loyal, kind and caring. Their generosity is exceeded only by the size of their credit card bills. (laughs) Did they write these in the 90s? Did they keep the same phrases on them? Because I'm looking at a few of them that I'm like, this has to have stayed the same for the last 30 years. Garfield wrote them. Garfield wrote them. Mm -hmm. Mondays. Let's see. Aquarius. Aquarians fear little in life except maybe running out of beverages. <laughs> and he's just hightailing it away with a water jug. What? What? The with a, a water aqua, jug? Aqua. It's a water. Yeah. 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 That's strange because the rest of them <laughs> seem to be commenting on like characteristics commonly uh-huh. associated with the zodiac signs as opposed mm-hmm. to a literal interpretation. Of the name. <laughs> of the name and symbol. Yeah. Yep. That's odd. Yeah. Oh, well, so good. Oh, what's Scorpio? Sorry, this is like our whole podcast now. No. I don't, all right. <laughs> it's not. It's not. I just, I need to know which one I need to get for Justin. Scorpios can resist temptation, but they'd rather not. Aww. It is a scorpion. That's terrifying, oh, honestly. God got like a, a stinger tail anyways okay that's that's enough of that i gotta save the links for those well now we know what we're getting for christmas yep you're welcome um that's not what we're talking about this week though i don't have a transition no but the um i found that that garfield with the scorpion tail kind of scary and i found many um i found creatures in the movie that we watched this week a little scary tay oh i i was i it took me a second to remember what i told you to watch because i'm like i'm pretty sure i didn't ask you to watch anything scary okay not not the reaction i would have thought to princess mononoke but uh yeah, no i was just trying to make a connection okay, okay. i think it's it's a very lovely story uh yeah, yeah i uh, i it asked is a, it is a lovely story no i uh, agree yeah um, I asked my sisters to watch uh, Princess Mononoke or Mononoke Hime, um, which is a Studio Ghibli production from 1997. Um, it's one of the ones helmed by Miyazaki himself, um, and uh, I don't know. It's, it's to me, it's one of it's probably my second favorite Miyazaki movie, uh, and it's a beautiful story about. I mean, it's you know, it's it's kind of like, like the style of narrative that a lot of the Ghibli movies take on where it's hard to really completely encapsulate in a sentence what the story is mm-hmm. about. You know, there's a young prince. He's cursed by this demon that he slaughters and he has to, you know, go in search of the cure and he crosses paths with uh, Princess Mononoke, who's this sort of, she's the, the daughter of wolves and protector of the forest and she's at war with the humans that are trying to destroy the forest and you know your sort of entrance to the storyline is this young boy character who's caught in the middle of all this and it's just it's a beautiful story it's got a lot of themes of environmentalism and i don't know like sort of what is the the place of humanity in in the world it's I don't, it's one of my favorites yeah no i i really enjoy it and it is a beautiful story i just also by the way, when you say it's your second favorite, is Howl's Moving Castle your first? 
Yeah, it's it's hard for me to put anything above House Moving Castle, even okay, though I think fair. probably that's like like I think maybe the the more epic narrative is Princess Mononoke. I mm-hmm. think how personal reasons is my favorite, and Spirited okay. Away is right up there too. But anyway, and I was House just Moving Castle has those eggs that look like that, and that yeah. bread and cheese. Yeah, well, and I, I don't this. I love that. There, I, I, I don't talk about that. Yeah, I don't know if have to, you don't have to rank. Them. They're just all epically beautiful movies. Yeah. But yes. Yeah. Yeah. That I think was my theory. Yeah, Mononoke is probably just because it's not it's not the happiest. I think it's one of the heavier movies, and I think it's also one that you don't really know who to root for. And there's a sadness in in the I think the there's an adult element to it that is that there's really no one to root for or against. It's just a lot of characters locked in a really unfair battle with each other Mm -hmm. that's what i was gonna say and kind of ask you is i feel like a lot of these other miyazaki movies we've watched and talked about like howl's moving castle um you have i mean it's very much like not i don't want to say stereotypical narrative but you have that same structure of like there's a good guy and a an issue and a you know a fight and a plot and a climax and then a resolution um is this, I mean, because this did feel more adult and it felt more complicated and complex, all the characters and like things that were happening, but not in a way that like you couldn't understand, like not, not, you know, like intelligible. Do you know what I mean? Like it was just like a lot more going on. It almost felt like a different kind of Miyazaki movie in a oh, sense. If that absolutely. Sense. Absolutely. And when I think that's where the sort of the more, and it is listed as like an adult animation. Okay. And I think that's because there isn't there isn't like a good guy and a bad guy. Like mm-hmm. I, you might look on surface and say, "Oh, Lady Eboshi is the bad guy, right?" Like she's mm-hmm. the person who, who is mining all of the, making the weapons and mining the ore, and like you know, is the one who kind of starts off the narrative and that it's her bullet that lodges in the boar, mm-hmm. that makes him turn into a demon, and that leads to Ashitaka getting the curse, mm-hmm. but when you see what she's doing, she's, you know, she's doing a lot of good things. She's trying to protect her people. She specifically has seeked out, like, she's bought all the contracts from, like, women that work at brothels around and, like, brought them in to give them some agency in their lives. And, like, you know, they they make their own money. They, they are allowed their own freedom. She takes care of the lepers that she's brought in. And I think you could argue, like, is she taking care of them or is she exploiting them because no one else in society will hire them? So she's automatically got their allegiance. And that's even that is like a nuanced take. Like, Mm -hmm. she's ultimately providing them with a better quality of life. So she's not some big bad guy that's just like, I want everyone to suffer and I want to be the the queen of Earth. No, she wants to rule things because she thinks she can do a better job and take care of people better. Mm -hmm. And and I mean, that's... If, if you, if the system is what you know, and so you're trying to play by the rules of the system and make it better and make it work better for everybody. I mean, like, that's not, there, there's a nobility in that. It's just different if you look at it in the broader context of, like, the environmental battle that's overarching, like, is this the way humanity should live? Is this the way that humans should provide for themselves and for each other in this way that is inherently so destructive? Well, coming from you know i think i think that that's a really important point to bring up because like from some people's perspective you don't really have a choice but you can make the world in which you're kind of forced to live better i don't know isn't that its own morality 
No, and I, you know, and then like opposite that, you could say Mononoke's the hero, or not Mononoke, uh, San, um, mm-hmm. the wolf child. Uh, mm-hmm. But I mean, her answer is just to slaughter people. Like that is yeah. what she sees as a solution. I'll just kill anybody that threatens. And I mean, you, one of the first sequences when we're introduced to her, she kills a bunch of, as we're introduced to them, kind of innocent villagers in Irontown that are just trying to bring rice home and she kills them. And there are a few survivors that Ashitaka mm-hmm. rescues, but a lot of people do die. And that that's not, if that's your only answer is just to, you know, slaughter anyone who threatens your way of life. I, it's not, it's, it's nuance. It's not that there are good guys and bad guys. It's again, like they're just people trying to figure out how to live. And it, well, and it's also like a commentary on if, if she is sort of a, a stand-in for nature, for the natural environment, like it is not good or evil. It is not life or death. It's all, yeah. you know, and that and it, it, it will take and give equally. And it there is no morality to that, you know, when when an animal eats another animal, it's not like a good thing or a bad thing. It just is what happens. And she is kind of that, you know destructive and a savior in equal measures mm-hmm. um, I remember watching this movie with you a million years ago in Japanese class I, was gonna say, I thought that's when we watched it first yeah which I was thinking about like we watched that that class was only 45 minutes long and there's no way we started the movie as soon as we got in everybody had to get in we had to take attendance we had to get settled we had to stop it a few minutes before class ended how, I wonder how many classes it took us to watch the movie <laughs> Probably like three. <laughs> right? Yeah. We probably spent several classes just sitting and watching this movie. Uh, well, in the original Japanese, which I will say, like, it's obviously the the original Japanese is fantastic, but it does have a very talented uh, English voice cast. Yeah. Uh, Jillian mm-hmm. yeah. Anderson is a highlight for me. I know. I was reading through who everybody was like, I mean, and it was a, I remember it being a big deal, like yeah. when it, like in the U.S., which back then was was much more rare to have any any sort of you know animation that was more aimed at adults break into the u.s like that and you've got claire danes and Minnie driver and jillian anderson and billy bob thornton and who else there's somebody else big deal that i'm forgetting anyway like john dimaggio <laughs> who is ashitaka uh oh yeah um um Billy Crap. Crudup? Yeah. Crudup? Exactly. So you have these, these like, big actors who are voicing this, which, I mean, would be kind of, like, was a thing. Miyazaki had other big English actors, like, or, you know, American actors doing the English dubs, but, like, I don't know. I remember that it was a big deal and that a lot of people who didn't typically watch anime were talking about it back then. Like, it broke into audiences that weren't, like, your usual anime fans. Um, I but, had no idea all these people were the voices. I knew that John DiMaggio was because he's the voice of Jake on Adventure Time. Um, and I recognized that. Mm-hmm. I had no idea that was Claire Danes. I should have looked yeah. at that because several of them sounded familiar, but I just, I didn't even, I didn't even look. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Well, and it was Neil Gaiman that penned the uh, English script for it. Yeah. So. I don't think I, yeah, yeah I, I don't think I had realized that I was reading more about it. I was reading about it and then I was trying to read about like, I kind of assumed it was all based on like different myths or something, some mythology. And it was interesting to kind of read that like, yes, 
loosely based, but also Miyazaki kind of just made up his own stuff for it, which mm-hmm. was kind of cool. You know, yeah. I just assumed like that that was all part of some sort of Japanese folklore that I didn't know. Wow. Well, and I think you could, you know, specifically, I mean, a lot of Ghibli movies, but specifically the Miyazaki helmed ones, uh, Nausicaa Valley of the Wind is similar. There's a lot of overt environmentalism in his in his movies that it's kind of a point that he just comes back to again and again mm-hmm. this this idea of like you know awareness of the importance and the power of the earth but but also this constant question which I, I love the comparisons which i don't think i've ever i've never made you guys read or watch anything by junji ito who is one of my favorite horror manga artists um and there's this comparison that I constantly see in like meme form of him and his comics are super scary, right? But mm-hmm. he's like the happiest, most jovial, upbeat dude in public. And then <laughs> compared to Miyazaki, who his movies are like this, they're beautiful and they're colorful and they're lush. And then he is just the darkest, like most like <laughs> ev- anime was a mistake. Like everything I've done is has done nothing. Like he's the like the heaviest, darkest dude. Really? <laughs> like, but I think that, I don't know, it kind of makes sense when you really look at a lot of the stories he's telling where it's like, is this a hopeful ending to the movie? I don't know. Is there really a hopeful message here? Or is it, I mean, he said twice in the movie, there's that statement made like, le- like life is a curse. Like this is, to be born is a curse. Like this is, living now is just, and that's even something in the commentary that he mentioned that he felt like children were being born uh, unblessed in this world that we live in because of everything that the everything that's going on in the world, the destruction of the world, that children aren't born blessed anymore. And he felt the need to make a movie about that. But it's not like, here's the solution. It's just like, this is the die that's cast. Mm-hmm. We're destroying the world in order to live, but that's going to make it hard for us to live. Well, I mean, it's a very poignant message. I can see where, I, you know, I wonder, like, if you think about sort of the kind of what I would perceive as more of the Gen Z kind of outlook on things, which is like, boy, you guys really destroyed everything. Now what the heck are we supposed to do? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Riley, would you say that's fair? Yeah. Um, yeah. This seems like the kind of movie that would have like another renaissance among them because, you know, <laughs> even at the end, yes, the forest comes is coming back to life, but it is very like it, it. They make note that like this is not the same. It is not. It doesn't belong to the forest god. It is not the same forest. Well, and I mean that there's a you know when you, the the whole idea that when the forest god the, dies, that the animals will become just simple animals. They'll become just food for slaughter. Mm-hmm. And this is set back in time. So the idea is sort of like that's why like animals have lost their ability to you know. Their, their their spiritual self because we've killed off their gods and this is where we are like it's it, it is heavy it's like now mm-hmm. all of those animal creatures that you interact with through the whole movie are now just quote-unquote dumb animals you know mm-hmm. it's it is it's a it is and, and the end is we're gonna rebuild iron town you go take care of the forest i maybe this will come to a head again yeah well, I feel um, like there are a lot of other, I mean, obviously I feel like environmentalism is like the the thing, you know, that is running throughout the whole movie. Are there any other like social commentary moments that are in it that like were intended to be about other important issues? Because I feel like there's a lot going on and I felt like, because I thought I had watched this movie before. I don't think I have because I don't remember watching it. Um, 
So I feel like there was a lot going on that I need to watch it like another couple times to fully be able to grasp and appreciate like everything that's being said. I feel like there was a lot um, to unpack that potentially could have been, you know, layered. I don't know, Tay. I feel like you'd be the better person. I mean, I know. Maybe there's not. I just, you know, I feel like there is a, I feel like there is a lot that's happening and there, I don't know. I mean, I think that any time, like, Miyazaki is well known for his, his woman protagonist, that, like, mm-hmm. that is a whole concept he has, that if you have, a, if you want to have a story be sort of, ev- like, revolutionary, you, you should have a, a girl be the center of it. And, and that's it. That's such a departure from so many male writers and directors. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this one's the most interesting, because, again, you've got Eboshi, who's not evil. And specifically, I think that she buys out like the the women from the brothels to give them some autonomy and some some freedom in their lives. Mm-hmm. And they even talk about like you know she she's the first person that says like oh if we kill the forest spirit then San will be free the young girl that was raised by the wolves she'll be she'll be a human but she'll be free. Mm-hmm. Like I do think that there's a secondary narrative about just like I don't know it's not necessarily a feminist narrative I think it's just a actual women with agency which is unique in yeah movies today but definitely you know a decade ago um i'm reading about all of the themes that are supposed to be in this movie yeah there there are there are definitely other themes uh i just feel like movies like this and i mean the other miyazaki movies we've talked about as well are such good vehicles for talking about things like that because Mm -hmm. it's so bright and beautiful to watch and interesting you've got these complex characters and all this stuff going on and all this history and um said like you said a little bit of like mythology vibes mm-hmm. going on but also is an easy way to deliver like actual discussion about real things going on yeah they, they well and that's what some of it we've already talked about they talk about like the idea of pre- preserving the natural world versus progress and innovation mm-hmm. and like and then how does that kind of run into people who are trying to um, like provide for the whole society mm-hmm. versus kind of um, individualism? Like San would represent somebody who is like laser focused on a very specific ideal and target and goal and other people will, you know, fall victim like kind of in the wake of that, right? Mm-hmm. But but it is not to provide for anyone else, as opposed to Lady Eboshi, who is very much like trying. You know, it's about everyone coming together, a communal society where everybody could be a part of something. Mm. Um, well, and even that, like I think that's what I don't know. So I think I'm looking at the same kind of list of like the the whole like good and evil thing, which is so common in in fantasy, and the fact that it doesn't exist that that there is a non-duality in this that's important because it's not pointing the finger as this is the answer or that is the answer, that both things can be destructive. It it really all comes back to the force, right? You, mm-hmm. need, you need light and dark and balance. You need, you need both things in balance that, mm-hmm. that having, you know, Lady Eboshi can excuse all of her actions, even if they're destructive to an environment, by saying, I am doing the best for my people, and San can excuse all of her actions by saying, I'm doing the best for the earth, mm-hmm. when there's never a moment where you think, "What is there a way we both can exist? Is the right. only answer, one of us is good and one of us is evil, which I, mm-hmm. I think is, 
again, very nuanced theme for what a lot of people could read as a kid's movie. Yeah. And I think, wasn't it rated like PG-13 when it came to the U.S.? I think, yeah, PG-13. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of arms being popped off. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Of, yeah. I was surprised when I forgot that happened. I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, he shoots that person's arms off <laughs> and that person's head off. Yeah. It's a lot of, no, lot of bloodshed. It's violent. And I, I mean, I would still contend that, like, I think the, um, what's the name of the boar demon in the beginning? Oh, yeah. The, with all the squigglies. Yeah. Yeah. That's terrifying. I, it's mm-hmm. terrifying. It is. It's, it's a terrifying creature. Um, I think that the uh, forest god is kind of scary in the full Nightwalker form. Well, I think um, it's actually scary when it's just got the vaguely human face, too. It's just a deer, oh but then it looks at you and it's like, hey. With the red face? <laughs> yeah. 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 That's intense. Now, well, and, and I mean, these aren't supposed to be. That's why I was kind of interested in the mythology and a lot of like, and again, these aren't like direct corollaries to any one like god or mythological creature or something like that like they're inspired by like i guess there were certain demons that did have like these sort of like black worms on them kind of thing you know what i mean like so there were these are themes but not exactly the same but like Mm -hmm. the common thing with all these spirits is that like they're not good or evil so they can they seeing them doesn't like they can be dangerous yeah they can kill you. But they could also just, I don't know, be like the cute little, what are the cute little things called? The tree spirits? Oh, the, uh, oh gosh, the, starts with a K. Uh, uh, Kodama, Kodama. Yes, the Kodama. Oh, I love the Kodama. I, I don't. They're cute, but they're a little, I mean, like, if I saw them in real life, I'd be creeped out, I'm oh, saying. Oh, well, like, when they turn around and they got those little butts, you can't be scared <laughs> yeah. of that. They got those little butts. I, listen, they're the butts, butts are, the their little butts are cute, but. Their eyes are like just. You got off. two little Kodamas that run around your house. What are you talking about? It's true. <laughs> it's the it's the off it's the way that they're offset and slightly different sizes. Yeah. It's that, what's that thing called when you have the fear trip trip a oh of the of a bunch of holes yeah a bunch okay. of holes yeah. a bunch of unevenly spaced holes. <laughs> Usually the holes are, are evenly spaced and whatever say. that that fear, but yeah, that I get fear. what you're saying. A bunch of holes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think their eyes set that off in me I a little guess bit. so. They're so Just cute. Just a little. They're very cute. I, They're it, all cute, but imagine them in like in the flesh in your bedroom at night and then tell me they're cute. Well, why That's, do we have to put them in my bedroom at night? <laughs> and see, I I have like a dozen little Kodamas in my bedroom. I bought that just stand around. So I don't, you're asking the wrong yeah. person. <laughs> That's a that's a leading question. They glow you're in the dark. Up a scary, you're setting they, up a scary atmosphere there. They glow in the dark. Well, they're like they're like two inches high, but yeah, I. I, I they that's just worse. Stand around I've, my my bedroom and, and glow. I've at night. seen Puppet Master. I know what little things can do. No, 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 no. They're sweet. Um, Your kids would love them. Yeah, I I was gonna say because at first I was like, oh, I bet this is a movie that Sydney could watch with her kids, and then. The very first arrow that took off somebody's arms, like, oh, nope, forgot that part. No, no. Cooper would like it, but Cooper shouldn't would watch like it. That. I think Cooper it's a little too like intense for him yet. I mean, yeah. I, I do think. Now, I will say, Justin and Charlie were working their way through all the Miyazaki movies. Oh, okay. Um, and Cooper had watched at them a little bit. 
she has you know she wasn't really completely focused on some of them she would kind of get into yeah i feel like kiki's delivery service she got kind of into oh sure but like not all of them but they had not made it to this one yet and so uh, which i'm kind of glad i think i will tell justin like i don't know charlie's a little sensitive to violence still yeah and especially like characters getting killed Um, there's a lot of death Mm-hmm. Yeah, she she asks me that anytime we're about to like watch anything. Like, does anyone die in this? So, to I don't be know. fair, Sid, you asked that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Cooper asks it in a hopeful way. Right. Is anybody is anyone going to die? <laughs> Their blood. Will somebody be bloody? Oh, she'd love that. Maybe you should just show her that clip for now. Like, hey, Cooper, watch this. <laughs> Check this out. That. But it's, it, uh, it kind of reminds me of Cooper, the part where uh, San has the blood all over her mouth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's what I was like. Talk about a princess <laughs> that Cooper would dig. <laughs> like, yeah. she's a princess, but by by that, it's like she's she's princess of the dangerous the wolf. wolf spirits mm-hmm. of the forest, and she sucks blood and and murders people. <laughs> um, is that a popular cosplay? Uh, I feel like it yeah. would be. I feel like that's one of the enduring ones. Like, however old the movie is, you you will always see Asan. Like, that's about the only yeah. character you see regularly, but you'll see Asan at most most anime conventions. I feel like that would be the most like immediately recognizable. Yeah. Of the characters. Yeah. But I mean, like, aside from like the the, I do find some of the spirits and demons a little scary. Um, it is like I mean I think all the Miyazaki movies they're just it's so beautiful to look at like you could turn the sound off and just look at it and yeah. be entranced by it I absolutely but then I do think it's also like I think Miyazaki is an artist that is so burdened by his need it's funny you mentioned Kiki's delivery service he he's talked about how after he made that movie he didn't think he could make another movie like that just looking at the world the way it was that kind of the idea like if I have an audience and I have the ability to make people watch what I do I should do something important with it and there's always that sense of like I'm trying to say something bigger and not easy to say and I think this is an example of that you know because if you could say like look 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 at the look at like literally what the world we're living in where we've got cities burning down and and un, you know unrepentant climate change and and natural disasters and uh i it's it's something we've known about for decades uh and have done nothing about and it's it, that's out of balance it's a very it, it seems like almost banal to make the point about environmentalism at this point but it's only because it's been ignored so much not because it's not an important thing to say even today yeah, well, I feel like there always is an extra little layer of like sadness watching these movies from almost 30 years ago and yeah. talking about these things because part of you is like your immediate instinct is, oh, well, this is still, this still works in today. Um, but then you think like, oh, no, it still works in today. <laughs> Nothing has changed. Everything is worse. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I like watching Fern Gully. Well, like, you know, <laughs> if at the end of the movie... Iboshi had died and the whole civilization was wrecked and it was like, aha, the forest wins and Ashitaka went and lived in the forest with the wolves. Like, that's not an answer, right? Like, we'll feel good about that for a minute because they were probably the good guys and the bad guys lost. And Okay, good. 
but the realistic part is like, well, that where where does humanity go? Where do all the people that lived in that village go? They just the innocence, and I think that that's that shows his level of thinking, where it's like, no, it's that there has to be a way to figure balance has to be the goal. Mm-hmm. That that requires both sides working together, but balance mm-hmm. has to be. It's the only way that we get through this. Right. Yeah. yeah and I, I mean, I, I think it's important to embrace that complexity because I do think people tend to simplify the argument um, even on like the side that I would put myself on, which is like, you know, on the environmental side, it's still not that simple, right? right. Like we've got a lot of people who need the basic means of survival and we can't just say like, well, let's focus all our energy on you know, just this one problem. Right. People are hungry. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's still very um, enjoyable overall, though. Like, it doesn't bum me out, uh, strangely, as yeah. much as I. what we're all talking about is a big bummer. The movie doesn't bum. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? Like, what we're saying is the truth. Like, things haven't changed, really. And what's scarier about that is, at some point, it it won't be relevant anymore, it, because it'll be too late. And well, depending on what climate scientists you talk to, they could they could answer that question with we're already past that, that point. That maybe it's already yeah. there. I know. And yeah. so like, and then that's all a big bummer. But like I don't find the move the movie didn't bummer. While me you're watching it, you're not thinking that. It's more no, of no. like a sitting here in reflection upon the things that you think about it, but you're not like overcome with existential sadness or right. no. panic. I was it, yeah. it is still it, even though it's dealing you pull back and you look at the themes and it's dealing with big ideas the story is deeply human because each mm-hmm. character is given time to see just what it, where do they come from what are their goals and every character if you put the, yourself in their shoes you could relate to you could understand where each person is coming from so it's really just it's less about themes and ideals and more about human conflict mm-hmm and it is still it it provides you with this sort of hope i think yeah because the, mean, the people that, that power the big evil iron city are kind and sweet and lovable mm-hmm. and you know that's that's true for you know when whenever you look at you, you already talk about like on a national scale like these are the enemies and these are the good guys like if you look at the people that live there they're generally just like nice people just trying to provide for themselves mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's it's only the big ideas that they get swept up in that cause pain yeah yes i can attest to that very strongly here in west virginia yeah that's a good point mm-hmm. well i'm really glad that you had us watch it again tay because i i really enjoyed yeah. it I, I guess we didn't ask was there anything other than everything we've talked about obviously it's a great movie for a million reasons but mm-hmm. why specifically um, I think I think it really does come down to the fact that it is it is rare to see a movie and not everything that's animated is for kids. But I think especially when it came out and how young I saw it, you know, still in the age of this is meant for kids. Uh, and I think presenting children with the idea that there aren't heroes, bad guys and victims. And those are the three things you can be. <laughs> you'll be mm-hmm. a bad guy. You'll be a good guy or you can be a victim like presenting nuance into all three of those identities is so important for like adulthood. Like we all need to look at people that way. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's really important to have movies that are accessible to 
younger audiences that have those ideas because so much of what we feed kids is so is way more simple than we give that we should give them credit for like kids can be said you know you have them Mm -hmm. (laughs) kids are deep kids are nuanced kids can understand hard to understand topics and Mm -hmm. i really just appreciated that this was one of those first movies that ever made me go oh man i don't know who to root for because the bad guy has points and the good guy's not that good and this dude's in the middle is my narrator, and he doesn't know what he's doing. He's trying to save the, these people. He's trying to save these people. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's just running around in the middle. And, and that's, he's got snake arm. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, snake that's cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> love, love that. Like, But, you know, it, it was just one of the first ones that ever made my brain go, like, maybe there's not just good and bad. Mm-hmm. Maybe everybody has a reason for doing the things they do. Yeah. The other category that you can be is um, naked tree spirit. You forgot about that. Oh, well, I didn't. I, didn't know that was, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, never mind. For, forget all this. Can I, how do I sign up for that? Yeah. yeah. That's, that's the, that's the box. When you check other, you're checking naked tree spirit. I, I really did feel like, cause I mean, I love, I love the Kodamas. And when they start falling from the sky and dying, that's the saddest part in the movie for me. Everything else that's going on is so much action, but they're just falling all around and it's so mm-hmm. sad. And I, I have to believe that it was a test audience situation. That last, the last thing you see on the screen is one little Kodama like walking back up, like doop doop doop, I'm alive again. Like somebody <laughs> said, "Hey, we we have to we have to include this. We have to show you can't people kill them all. <laughs> you cannot have the adorable, cute thing die off and not let the audience know that they're coming back." <laughs> That's so true. It's like the little puff balls in Spirited Away. Like, I don't know, Miyazaki movies are really good. Ghibli movies in general, having like a cute little thing that you're like, oh, that, that cute little thing. That yeah. cute little that thing cute that there's millions of. Die. <laughs> yeah. No, don't let that thing die. Nope. No. <laughs> well, thank you, Tay. I really enjoyed yeah. it. Oh, thank like you I said, for watching I thought it. I had seen it before, but this was my first time seeing it that I can remember. So I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, Riley, I think you already yes. alluded to it. but what's I did. Next? Is that intentional? Um. I want to talk about Renee Rapp's new album. It's her first album that she's ever put out, and it's called Snow Angel. It just came out last week. So All right. We'll talk about that. We will listen to that for next week. In the meantime, I, I watched the movie on um, a DVD, which is a piece of physical media that we still own <laughs> here oh. in this house. <laughs> but I'm assuming you can find... <laughs> I think I found it on Max. <laughs> Oh, that's that's how you watch Princess Mononoke. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh wow! I didn't know you saw a DVD of it. Yeah. Wait, Justin got the all the Miyazaki movies oh. in this big giant fancy collection when him and Charlie started watching them. Uh, you know what? That's not a bad idea actually, because yeah, I know you watched it on Max, and that's what I watched it on. But Max mm-hmm. is about to take off over the garden wall. If you haven't I saw like, that fall, oh. everybody watches it in the fall. Yeah. And, and if that if you don't have it on a physical media, gone. it's gone. This is this yeah. lost media thing that streamers, you know, one of those things that the strike that's still going on is about because they take media off so they don't have to pay residuals anymore. And oh. this is creating media that artists and creators put years and years of their life into just disappears with no way to access it. So it's, it's good that you have those DVDs and by the by... Everybody should get a physical copy of Over the Garden Wall or figure out a way to Jolly Roger that stuff. That. Yeah. Potatoes and my. <laughs> it's oh, God, so, now I want to rewatch it. Like every fall, I watch it at the start of September mm-hmm. and like Good. eat something with pumpkin in it. That's, mm-hmm. that's like, I don't. Why? Why would you take that away? Well, there you go. So sad. 
go go purchase a DVD. <laughs> I don't own even a way to play DVDs. I'm it's okay. To... You can find. You can. Oh, you can always figure that out. Just yeah. get the media before they take it from you forever. Yeah. Oh my God! Blockbusters coming back. <laughs> I honestly only it's going to be like a hipster blockbuster. It's going to be like a, you know, it's like a trendy cool thing with a guy yeah. with a funny hat at the counter. That's true. Yeah. I'll sell you boba in there. <laughs> they will. It's a boba. <laughs> I think that's cool now. <laughs> yeah. Boba's always cool. Boba's cool. Um, thank you all. Uh, you should really watch Princess Mononoke if you haven't. You really should. Um, and go to Maximum Fun and check out all the great shows at MaximumFun.org that you would enjoy. And you can email us at stillbuffering at MaximumFun.org. And thank you to the novellas for our theme song, Baby Change Your Mind. This has been your cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I'm Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. I am still buffering. And, and I, I am, am too. What else a hipster blockbuster would have? Uh, the music would be cool. Sleep strike gun. Growlers. Yeah. That's what and we brunch. And brunch. <laughs> oh man, wait! You could actually do this if you actually had like a restaurant that also rented movies oh, and showed really cool like old film series on VHS. TM 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 TM. <laughs> right, like that a mat, like like literally, like the walls are lined with VHSs, and that's your aesthetic. And then it's, it's rent. All right, TM. don't steal this. We TM'd it. Oh my gosh, it's hard now. You can't take it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm Emily Heller. And I'm Lisa Hannawalt. And we're the hosts of Baby Geniuses. We've been doing our podcast for over 10 years. When we started, it was about trying to learn something new every episode. Now it's about us trying to actively get stupider. And it's working. <laughs> Hang out with us and you'll hear us chat about... Gardening. Horses. Various problems with our butts. And all the weird stuff that makes us horny. That's so weird, all that stuff. <laughs> Baby Geniuses, a show for adult idiots. Every other week on Maximum Fun. Baby Geniuses, we know everything. Baby Geniuses, tell us something we don't know. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.